You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hanukkah leads, of course, to, as the Rambam says, Chazra Malchus Yisrael. And, and what sort of Malchus was that? One of the key points that Rabbi Schwartz makes is that it sounds from the Rambam that that Malchus was legitimate. Otherwise, why is it that the Rambam includes that in terms of what we're celebrating? And yet, there are sources that would indicate that that Malchus was not a legitimate Malchus. And in fact, there's going to, we're going to read today some of the statements of, very famous statements of the Ramban and others, that that might have been the reason why the Malchus of the Hashmanayim um, was so ill-fated. And this was something that, uh, you know, many people know this from Bond. We're going to learn it inside. I'm going to give you Rabbi Schwartz's uh, take on it. And Rabbi Schwartz does more than just quote. Rabbi Schwartz really gives a, a broad understanding of, uh, of what the issues might be. And he does it with a verve. He does it with the love of Torah that you're going to see. What we have in front of us, first and foremost, is Rabbi Schwartz's own mimer, his own, we would call it in Yiddish, a shtikl Torah, that he wrote in a modest sefer in terms of size, but in terms of breadth and ideas, I think you're going to see that it only has 140 pages, but his 140 pages that he wrote were packed with ideas and a lot of his personality. And I'm going to highlight some of that. The Sefer was his, his second Sefer, which is called Migdanos Eliezer. It was a Sefer that was already ready to be published uh, in 1970. Uh, and it finally got published two years later. Rabbi Schwartz at that time was a man in his 40s. He was born in 1925. I assume that the Torah that was collected in this volume was from that period of his life that he had been a Rav in English town. Uh, he had been a Rav in Providence and Philadelphia, these were shtiklach Torah that he had as a young man. And although many people are familiar with the very important psalkim that Rabbi Schwartz gave, uh, especially, you know, post the year 2000, psalkim that had to do with being Mater the Agunas of 9-11, psalkim that he gave uh, in the 90s uh, and, and maybe in the 2000s also, psalkim on uh, stem cell research, um, psalkim that really were in, in many ways uh, were um, trailblazing in terms of the use of DNA um, and uh, of course many people had psalkim and called him uh, all over the world uh, literally but the, this what I'm going to share with you today is from the period where he was laboring somewhat anonymously before he became the great Rabkadalia Dov Schwartz that was the address that people would knock on to find out. 
And I actually, next week, as I pointed out, we're going to hear more about his life and more about his legacy from people who were close to him. And that's going to be next Thursday, December 24th. So please be there for that. But this is his Torah. And I think you're going to see a lot of his personality and love of learning in this Torah. Plus, I hope it will be illuminating for you. So here's the piece. It starts with a, a, a Gemara in Yavamas. And I, 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 the, uh, the, the Gemara in Yavamas mentions the fact, and this was also something that Rabbi Schwartz ended up dealing with a, a lot, which is the status of a person who is the child of a ger. Uh, the Gemara talks about Rav Mori Bar and the Gemara says that Mori Barocho, who was, was one of the most famous um, Amaroyim in Shas because of his lineage, his father uh, was sort of a, a pirate, uh, um, a white slaver. <laughs> I wouldn't call him a rapist, but something close to that, who had uh, fallen for the daughter of Shmuel. Shmuel's daughters were were, 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 were were taken, were pirated away. And Mari was a byproduct of that union. Now, what happened was the, the, the pirate, the, the captor, the kidnapper changed. Shmuel's daughter changed him. Shmuel's daughter caused a change in his life. And by the time, um, by the time Murray was born, uh, his father, his biological father, had converted, and he became known. He's an Amor and Shas called Isser Giura. His child was known as Murray, but we didn't want to call Murray Ben Isser because Isser was his biological father, but not his halachic father. So he is one of these Amaroyim that is known by his mother's name, Mori Bar, Mori Bas Roch, Mori Ben Rochel, Mori Bar Rochel, which was his, was, was, was his mother. The Gemara says that Rova gave him a job, that Rova gave him a job to be one of the Manhigim in Mechuzah, one of the Manhigim. And the question then was, the Gemara deals with the Nubamas is, is somebody who comes from, uh, from the lineage of Agar, allowed to be a leader? Is he allowed to have a leadership position? And the Gemara says there, assumes that it's not the case. Then the Gemara says, wait, Murray himself, his mother was a Jew. And therefore, even though in some way he's sort of like a gear, he's sort of like, a, he doesn't have a, a lineage from his father, but that's good enough. So that Gemara leads to a discussion in the Rishonah that Rabbi Schwartz uh, takes us into about the status of Geirim, the status of Geirim as leaders, and the status of, 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 uh, of, of uh, is a Geir who at least has uh, as judges and leaders. Now, so that's really where Rabbi Schwartz enters into the fray here, uh, into this Gemara. Okay? Now, one of the things that this Gemara and Yavamis and the Rishonim that speak about it, like I said, deal with is, how do we decide? Is it possible to skirt these issues? Is it possible, for example, uh, for a person who is a gear to, to in some way become, have an authority position? Can he become a judge? And 
um, one of the, some of the discussion in the Rishonim is that sometimes even he can, he could actually have an authority position if the community members accept him. So that's the principle called Kabbalah. Now, this is a very important principle about being Makabel. So in other words, let me, let me reiterate. According to the Torah, who, in terms of appointments of positions, a person who is a gear, complete gear, um, should not have an authority position. And by the way, I actually spoke to Rabbi Schwartz about this question, because my connection to Rabbi Schwartz was in the Geiris. That's how I first met him in 1984, where I was part of his Besden for Geirim. I was a young Kohel guy, and Rabbi Schwartz was the rabbi of the young Israel in Borough Park. And the RCA, uh, who at that point, he was not the Av Besden of the RCA. The Av Besden of the RCA at that point was... Uh, was um, it, it was uh, the 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 Machsed Avram's son? Um, it was the right. It, it was the Machsed Avram's son, Rav Meisha, who was the uh, Bezna of the RC. I'm blanking on his last name now. Steinberg, Rav Meisha Steinberg, was the head of the was the uh, Bezna RCA, a real venerated European godel. Uh, he was the last rov in the city of Brod, in um, and I met Rabbi Schwartz. Uh, through, uh, and I'll tell you exactly what happened. The RCA decided uh, in the in the 60s, the late 60s and early 70s, that they would stop doing garrison. Uh, there were so many uh, scandals about um, you know, uh, accusing the RCA and others uh, of of being a garrus factory that if someone would come to the Estadris of Rabbanim to become a garrusetic they would farm it out to Rav Gedalidov Schwartz, who was obviously on the Besden of the, of the RCA. He was not the Av Besden then. But they would farm out uh, the, the cases to him. So he would be the one who dealt with all the Gerard Tzedek. Now, and if you would become a Gerard Tzedek, you know, you go to the RCA, the RCA says, we don't do that, but we, we farm it out to Rabbi Schwartz. And then it would be officially under Rabbi Schwartz's Besden from the young Israel of Borough Park. And um, now things have changed. Uh, and now the RCA does deal with Garrison straightforward. But at that time, that's what Rabbi Schwartz's, one of his many things that he did was. I came to know him uh, because he needed people. He needed people to go to the mikvah. <laughs> Basically, that's what it was. And I was a Kaila guy learning in Borough Park at the time. And that's how I, I got to meet him and, and observe him and be connected to him. Uh, and, 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 and he, of course, was a Bucky in, in Geirum, in Hilchus Geirus. Um, his second wife is actually a Geirus Tzedek, the one who survives him. So this was an issue that eventually became very close to his heart, which was the status of a Geir. And is a gear completely precluded? And is there some way that a gear can somehow take part in a leadership position? And I actually, when I became a rov, this was one of the questions that I asked Rabbi Schwartz about: um, Can a gear become the president of the shul? Um, because that was one of the make it or break it uh, discussions in my situation. And uh, Rabbi Schwartz uh, gave me a psak about that. And it was a very, um, I believe, a very important psak about um, 
Hilchas Geiris. Uh, and I'm sorry about about what does it mean to be a president of a shul, and I can share that with you. Um, I'll tell you what he said since I'm sort of dangling it. What he said was that the president of the shul is not Sorora. It doesn't have a shame that he's really in control. He basically was voted on and represents the will of all the congregants. Therefore, Rabbi Schwartz felt that a um, it doesn't. It's it, it's 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 not even like the mashgiach, the way Rabbi Feinstein and others describe it, as someone who powerfully tells you what to do and throws stuff out. Now, those of you that have dealt with shul presidents might not feel that way. <laughs> Many times, the shul presidents uh, do, uh, in a sense, uh, indicate how much of Bali Sorora they are. But Rabbi Schwartz felt that inherently that position uh, was a service position. Someone has to have, so even if that person pushes others around, he's doing it because of the communal will that is, you know, we have to have somebody who to, who has all these, who has to take care of all those things. And therefore, by Schwartz ruled to me, although he told me not to, you know, not to put it up on a banner, uh, that he felt that a gear, a gear or, you know, a, and, and this would apply also, by the way, for women, uh, could be a president of Schulz in that type of uh, situations. This was a psaac. So as I said, Rabbi Schwartz was very involved throughout his life in Inyanim of Geirus. This is a discussion of Geirus because the question that is, is raised here, yes, Kabbalah can work. You can be Makabal Agir. What does it mean, Makabal Agir? You can say, well, for example, I accept Agir to be my dying. I accept the gear to be a dying for me. How can you do that? You can't. And the reason is because of the Rishonim point out, you have a right to to accept psuliatus. You have a right if, if in a case of a money situation, the parties involved can determine what the rules are. And therefore each of them could submit and say, even though generally we're not going to uh, put a gear as in this position, however, we will be able to, uh, if this, if this on this individual basis, they would like this, these parties, this gear to rule for them, then you could have a gear as the judge for you in this case. Okay. So that's the background that, that, that you need to know. Rabbi Schwartz then quotes, As you can see here, Ayin Shom Betumim. He quotes Rabionis and Ivishitz's classic work on Choshen Mishpat. So I'm going to show you that here. It's right up here on the board. And this is what Rabbi Schwartz brought to the table, this Tumim. The question was, and it was raised already by the earlier sources, was, how could um, Shmaya Vavtalio, who the Rambam says clearly were Geirim Gemurim, the Maral and others say that maybe they were sort of Geirim on one side. Maybe their mother was not a Geir, but their father was. But the Rambam says that they were from Geirim. And then, as uh, the Knesset Agdewa says from the Mishnah and Edios, where it talks about um, Akavya ben Mahalil, who um, denigrated them. 
because because they allowed a shivcha who had been freed uh, to drink the mesoita. And the Kavi bin Mahalo felt that was wrong, and he said, eh, <laughs> they themselves are sort of, they themselves are gay rib, and that's the reason why they um, uh, were prejudiced to allow gay, a gayerist to drink from the, uh, the Mesoita, because they don't want to see a gayer as anything less. So that was considered sacrilege. That was considered a point of, of attack against Rabbi Kavi and Mahalo. But you see from the Mishnah and Edios, the Knesset Vela points out, that they must have been complete gayrim. Because that, that was the, that's what, why Akavia ridiculed them. So, how is it that they became the heads of the Sanhedrin? They're mentioned in Pirkei Ovos as the Avbezin and the Nasi. How could they rule? How could they rule on, on, and have these leadership positions? So, the Knesset Gdewa, quote, using these other Rishonim as a precedent, says that you can be Makabal in even such an important position. The same way you can be Makabal a Dayan in your city who's a Gear, you could also be Makabal. Uh, Klaus Yisrael could be, in this sense, how did it happen? I'm not sure. But Klaus Yisrael um, could be Makabal um, Shmai Vavtalia. Anyway, the Tumim says that is the Knesset Hagdola's point. He says, and we're going to read the Tumim now inside. It's one thing if I come to a personal court case and there's a man here who's a Gerd Sedek that I know is a Gerd Sedek, and I say, you can be my judge. But getting this leadership position, there was no vote. Who decided that Shmai of Avtalion should run, should be the heads of the Bezdin, heads of the Sanhedrin? It must be the most important Rabbanim decided. So even though the Tzibur didn't agree with it, we have to say that uh, the people, like the Gedolim, represent all of us. Because he says, do you think there was like a vote on Shmai of Avtalion in every place in Eretz Yisrael? That, that couldn't happen. So you have to say, the Tumim says, that if the Sanhedrin, the leaders of of wisdom, and most of the Chachamim, and whoever is the Knesset Hagdola, you know, whoever represents Torah, the Torah, Das Torah, the Moetzes, of that period, that is considered Kabbalos of Klal Yisrael. And therefore, Shmaya of Avtalion become the leaders and the deciders of remember what, what it means to be the head of the Bez It means to actually define what Torah is. It defines what the laws of the Torah are about. They are more than just, oh, that's a prestigious position. It's, it's, it, it, they are the, uh, they are the conduit of, 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 of what the Das of God is about what mitzvahs mean. And it must be because Obviously, the the plow, the guy working in the farm can't decide that. It must be that we give the Gedolim the right to decide for us, and they become the leaders for Klal Yisrael. Okay, the, the Tumim says, I can accept that. Here's the Tumim's brilliance, and I can see why Rabbi Schwartz appreciated it. He says, when it comes to um, Dine Mominos, it makes sense that I can have a, a, a gear be my decider. Why? Because, look, I can give my money to the other guy if I want to. 
So in this case, I could just say, I'm walking away. Here, take my money. The same way you can give the money away, you could say, you know what? I'm going to, whatever this person says, whatever this person decides to say, I give and I'll be mochel. That's why Kabbalah works. Kabbalah works because ultimately you're in control. The two parties that are involved in the case are, 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 are the controlling forces here. And therefore they can each determine who gets what, and they can decide, okay, I'll give you the money. And if the clock strikes three tomorrow, I'll give you the money. If this Dayan, who really shouldn't be a Dayan, decides, I can say that. I'll give you the money. But part of what the Sanhedrin Agadol did was Dine Nefoshos. The Zokan Mamre was put to death by the Sanhedrin Agadol. Could be the Novi Sheker as well. So there's the, the Zokan Mamre, the Novi Sheker, they don't have a right to say Harguni. They don't have a right to say, oh, you know what? I could just kill myself. Therefore, I'm going to let you kill me. If you're, if, if, if you deserve to be on the Sanhedrin, if, if you go through the process, you have all the, the necessary requirements. Okay. So now that's part of what the Beznagodal is. But Kabbalah can't work if you're not in control of it. So how can, it can only work by mumminess. They can't, you can't have that position here. And we know uh, a person cannot say, uh, oh, I, I want to be killed. You can't do that. And he says, what is the essence of the Bezanagodo? Is to don Dine Nefoshos. Zokan Mamre. They didn't deal with Dine Mominus. So the Knesset Zagdola's answer, Chaim Ben Benishti's answer, that Shemayev Avtalian was a, an agreement Seemingly, that agreement can't work, even if you could get everybody to vote. How could they give them the power to control people's lives and to actually put people to death? So, L'chein Sarach Lomar, O de Melech Shaini. Kivan de Rishus Biyad Melech Mohammed Svelaharog Ulatikan Amadina. We know the Rambam says in a number of places that a king can decide to put people to death, even according to Torah, they wouldn't be put to death. The king can decide that it's the, the country needs this this type of sin to be wiped out, and there needs to be a capital punishment here. And we're going to we're going to throw away the normal evidentiary rules in order for that person to be put to death. The king can decide that, and we follow that. So, if the king has power to rule beyond the Torah and decide the country needs that. So Rav Ivashit says, then they could also find a person who's great in Torah and say, you're going to be the dying. And you are going to rule on capital cases, even though the Torah doesn't give you the right to do that. But I can give you that right. So basically what Rav Ivashit is in his machadish here, and again, I can see why Rabbi Schwartz was fascinated by it, was that you have a person who shouldn't be a dying. But he's a dying through the Melech. But unlike civil law or the Melech's law that really runs in a whole counter way to the Torah, or at least it's an alternative to Torah law, and it's not necessarily something that, you know, and again, uh, parenthetically, there's, of course, the Drosha Haran who says that's the way Jewish life was. He says there was this religious court and there was also a secular court that was, uh, that was, that was, um, pushed by the king 
And they really took care of most of the cases of what was happening in Bayez Rishon and even uh, in Bayez Shani, perhaps. So that is the Ron's theory um, uh, that there always was this secular type of court. Uh, again, Rav Herzog and others discuss using these theories in order to set up uh, the modern state of Israel. But really, that's just a really parenthetic aside. The point, though, is, is that it makes sense for the Melech to have my system, the Melech system. But now the Melech is saying, I want this man to be the legislator and the facilitator of the Torah system, even though the Torah wouldn't allow him to do that. So he says, Shmai of Avtalion were given their rights. So even though they didn't rule with the authority, of the, they didn't rule based on the laws that the king had written, they ruled based on what the Torah says, but the the power that they had to put people to death, if that came up, what, and the power to actually even have the position, even. You don't even need to say they were, they, you don't need even, even to say that there was a vote on them. You don't need to say that everybody liked them. The king wanted them. Because who appointed them? So Rav Ivishitz, who was not an expert in a Jewish history, says that they were appointed by, uh, they were appointed by the Has- some of the Hasmonean kings. The Malchus Hashmanoim appointed them. And he calls them the Ksherim. And therefore, the same way those kings could have put people to death and could, could rule, that's, that was Shemaya of Avtalion's power, was as an extension of the king. Now, Rabbi Schwartz has a problem with that answer. His problem, and I'll read you his problem. He says, is it true that Malchei Hashmanoim are called kings? According to the Yerushalmi and Horios, you're not supposed to have Kohanim that are kings. And if that's true, and we'll see the Psukim that back that up, and we know, of course, the Ramban who says that, and we're going to talk, see that Ramban, that there's a lav in the Torah for a Kohen to be a Melech. So Rabbi Schwartz says, How could that work? If they were if a Kohen is 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 not allowed to assume the position of a king, then he has no right to kill people either. And he has no right to give his power to these proxies that represent him. So, so this is Rabbi Schwartz's question. Now, so Rabbi Schwartz wants to set up the following. That although everybody knows about this Ramban, that quotes this Yerushalmi and Orios, the Rambam disagrees. And Rabbi Schwartz says that if you look in the Rambam, the Rambam does not say that Kohanim cannot be Melochim. 
Here's the Rambam that Rabbi Schwartz quotes. Here's the Rambam. And again, it's going to take a little bit of reading, and, 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 and I hope you'll appreciate, as you can see, the, what the Rambam sheet is. The Rambam says that when you get when a melech becomes a melech, you put anointing oil on him. And we see that from Shmuel. Once you have the anointing oil, then you become the king. And it, it, it now becomes an inheritance that flows down through your children. Because he says, a malchus is a Yerusha. The, and how does the Rambam know Malchus is Yerusha? The Pesach says that. It says, Laman yorech yomim al mamlachto. Then it says, Hu ubanav. So you see that, that a child becomes Melech after the king himself. Now, obviously, <laughs> it has to be the proper child. And the, and the Rambam says that. Uh, if you don't have Yerushamayim, then you're not going to become king. Now, but if you are able, even though there might be someone out there who's better suited, but that's what happens. Meshicha, and that's what happened to David HaMelech. Kivan Shinim Meshach David, Zoha Bekeser Malchus. So he becomes the Melech, and now becomes in his bloodline, and he becomes the Yerusha forever. And God even said that. Kisecha Yeh Nochon Adolam. Now, let me explain something. Why am I reading this to you? The Raman does not say that there was a prophecy from Yaakov Avinu that said the Melech is going to come from Yehuda. Raman never says anything like that. The Rambam says it was really pretty much an open case to decide who would be Melech. Now, David Melech, because of whatever was happening in his time, becomes king. He had Meshicha. Once there's Meshicha, that's the indicator that this is the king and, and inheritance will go through him. And of course, you have to be, you have to be a, a kosher. But, lo tichras amalucha mizera david la'olam. God says so. Now, is it a mitzvah from the Torah that, it, that the melech can only be from, from Shevet Yehuda? No. It's a process that we see from the Navi was, was, um, permanent. Now the Rambam in the Sefer Mitzvahs does say that once David was chosen, and as we see from the Sifre Navua, that that's going to be forever, putting a Melech who's not from Malchus based David, you'd be over the Avera of putting an Ish Nochri. Because that be- anyone else becomes a Nochri from the time of David Amelech to become Melech. So you are over that law by doing that. But a Novi, the Rambam says, has a right to overturn that law. A Novi has a right to decide, you know what? We're going to have a Melech even though it's not from David. So it's really incredible here because the Rambam is not quoting Psukim from the Torah. He's quoting based on history. 
based on the history that is uh, that we have from the Sifrei Nevuah, from Sefer Shmuel, from Sefer Malachim. And that's why a Novi has a right to have a Melech as well, as to, even though it goes against. And he says, all the dinam of Melech apply to the person this Novi picked. So even though, didn't you just say that David, once he had the Meshicha, he's going to be Melech? Yeah, that's true. That's the Iker Malchus. But, Achia Ashiloni said Yeravim can be a Melech. And, and, and he even told uh, Yeravim that if you do Torah and Mitzvahs, you're going to have a bias Neman just like David has, which means bias Neman means it's inheritance. It's going to go to your children. It's a bias. And what Achia Ashiloni said, and you know what? You're going to be bigger now than David's children because Rechavim is only going to have Yehuda and Benyamin and you're going to have 10 Shvatim. So that could happen. A Novi could create an alternate timeline, an alternate uh, dynasty. Now, the Rambam then says, however, we know that Malchabes David are the ones that are going to be in the future as well. And when a Novi decides to create a Melech, to put up a Melech, we know that the Malchus will stop. How do we know that? Because Achia tells Yeruvam, it's not going to be forever. Now, how long is it going to last? I don't know. But it can be like a Hiroshu. And when that Novi... So in other words, in the time of Yeruvam, you actually had two competing... Uh, dynasties, two t- competing kingships, and they both had, according to the Rambam, the din of a melech. Now, we know that the, the, the Malchus Yisrael has to stop. And Malchus David, God gave us the Haftach, is going to last forever. But when that Malchus happens, the Malchus of another Shevet, that could be a melech. So therefore, Rabbi Schwartz says, the Rambam holds not like the Ramban, not like the Yishalmi. The Rambam doesn't mention over here you can't have a Kohen. The Rambam says that if, 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 if things happen, you can have another Melech. Now, the same way you could have a, a dual Malchus going on, there could be the complete obliteration of Malchus Yehuda, and there could be a Novi determining a Melech from another Shevet. That, Rabbi Schwartz says, is what happened by the time of the Chashmanoyim. So it had the shame of it had the shame of Malchus. Now, what about now the Yishalmi that the that the uh, Rabbi Schwartz referred to is in the Ramban? Let me show that to you. Okay. Now that means putting the Shemana Mishcha on the Melech. Now I told we already saw what Shemana Mishcha means. Shemana Mishcha means it's going to last forever. You don't do that for Melochim Kayhanim. Rabbi Yudah on Taroyah says the reason is this Yershalmi. He says, Well, you also shave it me Yehuda. 
Hmm. That was one answer. Chiyabarabba says, look in the Pasuk by Melech. It says, That's a real Melech forever. Right after that, the Torah writes, So that's in Sefer Dvarim, in Perak Yud Zayin and Perak Yud Ches. The Pesukim are right next to each other. The Ramban says, there's a, a central difference between these two answers of why a Kohen can't be a Melech. The first answer says, it's all about the covet of Yaakov Avinu, that Yaakov Avinu already prophesied at the end of Sefer Bereshis that only Malchus could be from Yehuda. Now, what is that? Is that a din from the Torah? I mean, Yaakov is a Navi, and Yaakov has a great standing, but he's not God. So the Ramban says that's really a din and kavod that the grandfather decided. And in a way, it's sort of like a din in Yerusha. So the same way that the 12 Shvatim represent all of Klal Yisrael, those 12 boys, and represent all of our history, if, if you take a Melech from not Yehuda, in a way, you're stealing from what Yaakov set up originally as the Yerusha. That's not a law in the Torah. It's in a way violating what Yaakov wanted and that God agreed was probably the best way to be. The second answer, though, and you can see this in the Ramban, the second answer is, again, the first answer is, is that, yeah, the second answer is, Rabchia bar Abba Pira as Rabbi Schwartz quoted. It's a law in the Torah that the Kohanim should not be Melochim. Meaning, according to the first answer, Kohanim are no worse than anyone else. It does violate what Yaakov wanted, according to the Yerushalmi, but it's not a, it's not, you're not over the law of the Torah. It wouldn't necessarily be, it wouldn't delegitimize the Malchus. It would be a Malchus where, oh yeah, he became Melech, but um, he did it because, you know, they violated what Yaakov Avinu really wanted. But he still would have all dinim of Melech. The part that could delegitimize the Chashmanoyim completely, they wouldn't have a Shem Melech, could be the second uh, approach of the Yerushalmi. Because if there's a Lav in the Torah telling you this man can't be a Melech, then you're violating the Torah by setting him up as Melech. The Ramban brings another Pusik to prove that. The Pusik says in, in Parshas uh, Korach, Tishmeru es kuhunaschem, the kol dvara mizbeach, mibaisu paroches, viavanitem, avodas matona etten es kuhunaschem. Which means, Kohanim are about, this is their legacy. This is their level. This is what they are supposed to achieve. They are supposed to work for the Beis HaMikdash. That's it. And as the Ramban says, to work for the community as a king in politics, so to speak, that goes against what the Torah says. The Torah says, you know what I've given you? Your service to the country at large is Torah teaching, of course, but as the people who work in the Beis HaMikdash and work by the Mizbeach. Both of these sources, the Ramban puts together. In other words, the Pasuk in Bamidbar and the Pasuk in Dvarim. And that would be a law from the Torah. 
So I, I so I'm here to tell you. I don't know if Rabbi Schwartz would agree to this. That it's only the second approach that could back Rabbi Schwartz's question that hey, they shouldn't have been legitimate. The first approach, although the Ramban says earlier, and everybody knows this, that the the Bnei Chashmanoi died, and they were and all of them died horribly. Um, the brothers, one after the other, despite the fact that they were Hasidim and Sadiqim, was because they violated Yaakov's tzava. He says that they went against what Yaakov wanted. Yaakov's command of what Yerusha should be. And therefore, God allows the punishment to occur. It was Mida Keneg and Mida. However, the, that's not to say that the Malchus was illegitimate and wouldn't have a Shein Melech. But Kohanim, the Ramban seems to, and the Rabbi Schwartz seems to be correct here, based on the second answer, that would indicate that Kohanim cannot be a Melech at all. Because that violates the Lav. It violates the Lav in the Torah. How could they now empower Shemayi Vavtalia? So, on that, Rabbi Schwartz wants to say that the Rambam rejects this Yerushalmi. Now, what gives the right for the Rambam to reject that? So, Rabbi Schwartz was machadish the following. One of the most famous uh, statements in Shas. Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac Alevi Rabinovich says this is one of the most unusual uh, brises that we have. Um, the Gemara quotes it as dealing with a very technical question about Eid Echad. A very technical question about uh, do you, do you, can, is Eid Echad Neman or not? In other words, if an Eid Echad says something, and on the other side is quiet, do we give an emanas to an Eid Echad Bishtika? So Abaya proves it from this brisa, And the brisa has to do with Yanai HaMelech. So let's read it quickly. So it was a great victory. This was one of the Hasmonean victories past the Greeks, and the Syrian Greeks. This was expanding greater Israel. So in a way, Yanai was really a representative, you know, is, 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 he was a great-great-grandson of, 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 of Matisio, great-great-grandson, maybe, right, to get the exact lineage. He wasn't from the original children of Matisio. So they made a big simcha. It was, it was like, in, in fact, the, the Ritva and others say that it was a miracle that occurred, that they that they were able to expand. It's like the Six Day War; they were able to expand Israel in such a great way. They got all these they got all these uh, these, these islands. You know what? We're going to have a new minute. We're also, even though we should be eating caviar, we should be having uh, filet mignon, we're going to eat salty vegetables just like they did when they first came into Eretz Yisrael. We're going to remember our, our, our modest roots. And even though uh, it was modest, but it was on Shulchan Shulzov, Nobody should think it was a Tishabov meal. 
It was on gold. You know, they don't really like you. These Rabbanim, Tarashim Alpes, starting to develop, they're called Prushim. They don't, they really have stuff against you. Yanai started to believe it. You know what you do? You have, you're the Kohen Gadol as well. Put on the tzitz. Put on the tzitz and make them promise to tell you the truth. Yehuda ben Gedidya said, In other words, now, up until now, as Rabbi Schwartz explains, they let him serve in the Beis HaMikdosh. They let him do Avodah. He didn't know. But really, there was great suspicion that he was a chalom, that he was not kosher l'kohuna. His mother, we talked about Shmuel earlier before, his mother was captured. His mother was captured in Modim. And because she was captured in Modim, which of course is one of the cities that the Hashmonaim were known uh, to be, um, she shouldn't have remarried Yanai's father. Yanai's father was now ushered to have relations with Yanai's mother. Because Yanai's mother becomes like a Zona, even though she was raped. But it's also for her to have relations with, even though it was forced. And therefore, Yanai is a product of that union. Anyway, Yavukash Adover Nimza, there was an investigation made. It turned out that uh, the evidence was not there. We're now considered very much uh, the people who were angry, uh, angry, they were the anger of Yanai and, and the government was against the Chachme Yisrael. And Elozer ben Pariya said, Yanai HaMelech, you're just treating them and putting them in censure. That would be if they would, if they would have uh, vilified a regular person. But you are the Melech and Kohen Gadol. What do you? What should I do? Yan, I said. Now here again, Rashi says literally, kill them. And it's incredible to read this. Yan, I says, if I kill them, what about the Torah? The Gemara says, no, the Torah will be kruchem enochas bekeren zavis. Anybody wants to learn, they can go and learn it. Rav Nachem Rayitza, quoting, uh, commenting on this, Bryce says, here you see the type of apikarsis that Yanai had. That even though he was kosher up until this point, now you see that he went over to the bad side. Because you kill the people of Torah, the living embodiments of Torah Shebaal Peh, how is anyone going to know what the Torah really means? And then, as it says here, V'yahargu kol chachme Yisrael, v'el mishtamim ad so this Brysa, Abayah says, proves, now how does he prove it? <laughs> he proves, Abayah says, because otherwise, what could have been the Havamina that Yana is puzzle and now Yana is kosher? So Abayah, again, it's an incredible Brysa. It really is, is, had it not been for this debate about what Eid Echad 
can accomplish, we wouldn't have even had this brisa and this whole detailed story. But Abaya says, the way I read this brisa, there must have been an Eid Echad who said she was captured. And then we had, then we discovered that that Eid Echad, and at that point, Yanai's father agreed to the Eid Echad. And because of that, the woman was usher. But it turns out that we came up with two Eidim to overturn that. But at the time, she would have been considered usher based on the idea of Eid Echad. Okay, so that's what Abaya wanted with it. But Rabbi Schwartz said, one second. They told him that he maybe he should not be wearing the tzitz. He should not be doing the avod of a Kohen Gadol. We let you get away with it up until now. But now that you publicly put on this tzitz, we have to tell you, you know what, maybe it's time to stop acting as Kohen Gadol or acting as Kohen and doing avoda. What about the fact that he was melech? They said, Rav l'cho keser malchus. So, Rabbi Schwartz wanted to say, that it's from this Gemara, which is not quoted in the Yerushalmi anywhere, that the Rambam was docha the Yerushalmi mehalocha. Because you see from here that he was melech, rav locha keser malchus. So that's a proof, Rabbi Schwartz says, that you can be a melech and have a shame melech completely, even though you're from the Kaihanim. Now, I should tell you that Rabbi Schwartz knows that this is not such a great proof. Because, remember what I read to you from the Ramban? That the, one of the reasons why um, you, you, it's usher to be a melech is because you're a, your purpose is to be an ovade. Now, if it's true he was a cholol, then it, 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 paradoxically, he's a better choice to be melech than the other kosher kohanim. So if they if they assumed he was a a cholo, they just didn't want to say anything because the halacha is that if a cholo is oved, bidieved the avoda is kosher, as we learn from the pasuk of Beirach Hashem Chelo, that a kohen who who discovers he's a cholo, we don't say lemafreya all his all his uh, what he did was possible, and that might have been the the heter to allow him to act as kohen gadol this whole time. But that also, that knowledge might have been what allows him to be Melech. Because, so, Rabbi Schwartz actually is aware of this question. Um, and still he believes that the fact that this is not in Yerushalmi, this is a proof to the Rambam's opinion that obviously you, it might not be a Malchus that should last forever, but it does have the shame Malchus. And it does have the legitimacy of completely of a uh, of 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 a government that is functioning and has the right to put people to death. It doesn't delegitimize the malchus, as Rabbi Schwartz himself says. Biarnu shulafidas habavli varambam ein iser b'hamodas kohen lemelech. Based on this, there's no iser be'etzem, and therefore the tumim's answer can be true because the Hashmanoyim were Malachim Kshayrim, despite their faults that they might have had. And I believe that that is something, although he might not be the first person uh, to have gone into this Machlokas, the Rambam and the Ramban. And he points out here his research, he discovers in his research uh, 
and you can see the way he says, in his Sefer on Chumash. And then he also says, I saw the Chuvis Shailameshiv, Madura Tinyona Sheni, where the Shailameshiv also speaks about this possibility of, of, of in other words, how Yamai could have been a Melech. Now, Rabbi Schwartz mentions here, and I'll end with this. He mentions the Chiddush of Rabbi Sholnotazen, Rabbi Sholnotazen, that maybe the Rambam holds of the Yerushalmi, but it's only Melech in the part of Eretz Yisrael that is part of Eretz Yisrael that God has promised us. Mashekov Ashare Rotsos in other words, remember what the case of Yanai is. The case of Yanai was, he was the Melech over expanded Israel. So expanded Israel, there the Tanoim of Melech don't apply. So it could be, you know, Rabbi Schwartz points out from courtesy of Yosef Shol, that even if the Ramban might agree and the Yerushalmi might agree that Yanai could have been Melech for the parts of Eretz, the parts that are not historical Israel. Even though now they have a din of Eretz Israel, that's not what the Krisas bris between God and the Jewish people was for. So setting up, uh, you know, as the conqueror of greater Israel, there it could be that halacha doesn't apply. And in that sense, you know, Rabbi Schwartz realizes that it might not necessarily be, so for two reasons, it might not be a proof uh, to his Yisod. But I do believe he's correct, 100%, that the Rambam significantly does not mention anything about uh, Kohanim not being part of the game. And there's nothing there really about the Haftocha to Yaakov Avinu as well. David lucked out. Once he got it, he was Zoha forever, bing, 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 and God, of course, puts his stamp of approval on it. But Rabbi Schwartz is correct. The Rambam also disagrees with this principle of Yerusha of the Ramban as well. He doesn't mention it. He doesn't consider it. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.